Hello everyone and welcome to the House of Lotus podcast, a platform dedicated to spiritual research and development. This podcast is meant to throw a little bit of light onto the path of each one of us and hopefully assist each of our listeners to take their own next step. With good intentions and one eye always on our truth, please remain open to what lies ahead. From my heart to yours and from my mind to yours, may our spirit show us the way. Let us now begin from the beginning. On this episode, we shall talk about the meaning and nature of meditation and expand on the core elements or skills needed for meditational practices. Please take a deep breath, relax and enjoy. In recent years, meditation has become a common word, used in different ways to mean different things. Sometimes it's used as a figure of speech, others to describe a contemplative practice, and others the word meditation is coupled with a name or a title to define a system of practices or a way of being. Stripped of all assigned meaning, at its roots, meditation is a process of the mind. Practicing meditation is to consciously attempt to guide the mind, our attention, in a particular way and particular intention at an object. We guide the mind then to observe something, and we can observe it through the senses, how it looks, how it sounds, how it feels to the touch, its smell or taste and we can observe how it feels to us, what kind of emotions it awakes, or what tendencies of thought it creates. Our observation can utilize only one sense, or it can entail many layers of senses, from the physical ones to the more esoteric ones. Depending on our intention, be it to relax, facilitate healing, create a thought form, or anything else, we must first and foremost intend to see what is, what is actually there. And to attain this, to discover what really is there, we must set aside our preconceptions, our biases, and to remain open and accepting to what exists in the present moment. This capacity for awareness is a skill, one that we can develop. But let's take it from the beginning. The object of our practice may be something external, an actual object, the flickering of a flaming candle, the blue waves of the sea foaming to shore, the sound of birds passing in the sky, the light as it passes through the leaves. It can be our own physical body, the sensations below our feet touching the ground, the fabric of our clothes touching our skin, the temperature of the air as it reaches our nose, entering our body to expand the lungs and vitalize us. It can also be an emotion and the sensations it steers within us, the joy that expanded our chest, the sense of peace 
that let our shoulders drop, or a thought, an assumption we make as a response to somebody else's action, or the constant reminder of what we need to accomplish, or the calming realization that nature is beautiful. And it can be all of them together at the same time. The splashing of the waves and the blue of the sky, the smell of the sea that helps relax our neck and shoulders and calms the tension in the stomach to drop all narratives of our lives in the sand and ground us into what actually is all around us. Nature. Nature that is harmony. The object of our practice may be the realms beyond the physical cosmos, the energy of the chakras within our bodies, the web of interconnectedness that goes through all creation, that reality that underlies the physical one, all that is in the now. Notice how the scenes we described a few moments ago were formed in our perception through the senses. Now, take a breath. For most of us, what we just described was only a visualization. It is not what is actually in the now. Most of us will probably not be at the sea when hearing this podcast. So, guide your awareness to your present moment. Are you sitting comfortably? Did you just become aware of being uncomfortable? What kind of sensations do you become aware of when you breathe at the tip of your nose? The air that passes through the nose and down the throat to reach the lungs and expand the chest. What kind of sensations can you feel at your hands? Are you holding something? How does it feel on your skin? Are your shoulders tense? How about your feet? Are they heavy on the ground? All of these are parts of your present moment, together with countless others. Which ones we become aware of depends on which we choose to focus on, and our capacity to return to them when our mind wanders away in currents of thought. It is okay to wander off. Our brain is designed to do so. Whenever we realize that we have moved away from this moment, we can use the sensations caused by the next inhalation to bring our mind back to the body and our present reality. The mind, in its manifestation through the brain, tends to occupy itself with the past or the future either because of attachment on a previous experience or because of anticipation for another, the mind is seldomly in the now. Thinking of the past usually causes feelings of depression, either because of an unpleasant event that took place or because of a pleasant one that we do not accept to be over. Thinking of the future, on the other hand, tends to cause stress, because of something unpleasant that we anticipate, or something pleasant that cannot come soon enough. In both instances, we are moved from reality, from what actually is, and we are thrown into a projected universe of what was in the past and of what might be 
in the future. Our happiness, our peace, is placed somewhere in the future with imaginary conditions that all they achieve is to keep us from experiencing happiness, peace, now. But our life takes place in the present. It is comprised of moments succeeding one another, and accepting that, accepting the present, is the only source of true peace. Now, the present might not be pleasant. We might find things in our lives that don't serve us anymore. The same for issues within. We may become aware of emotions or patterns of thought that are not nice, or that we do not wish to have. That is also okay. That can also be viewed with acceptance. Guiding the mind at unpleasantness is unpleasant. Our tendency to avoid it, though, is itself an object for observation. As we said before, meditation is to consciously guide the mind in a particular way and intention. That particular way is kindliness and acceptance, and the intention, our attempt to discover our reality. We can be kind and accepting towards ourselves. We meet that kindliness and acceptance in order to be honest with ourselves. Try to keep that in mind. It's okay that we may feel a certain way, whatever that might be. It's okay that we may want to avoid a feeling, and it is okay to want things to change. But know that avoiding a feeling that is already there is exhausting. So is attachment to something pleasant. Holding it tight lest we lose it. In both cases, we deny what actually is and place our happiness somewhere in the future, destined to occur only when our conditions are met. But if avoidance or attachment remain unseen, they will follow us in our lives, and with them, our happiness moves further and further into the future. As Tignat Han says, the soil of our mind contains many seeds, positive and negative. We are the gardeners who identify, water and cultivate the best seeds. Whether we have happiness or not depends on the seeds in our consciousness. If our seeds of compassion, understanding and love are strong, those qualities will be able to manifest in us. We are the observants. We are safe in finding out what is. Our experience is just that, an experience. It isn't us. It needs not dictate our actions and lives. And there may be times that we may find something within that we could use help to deal with. That is okay. We should always ask for help whenever we need it. We can always find a person that is capable of helping, be it a friend, a teacher, or a therapist who is actually trained to help us work with our issues. We only need to be honest with ourselves as to which one we need and do find that person. Our mind tends to occupy itself with the past or the future. 
and experience we have in the present is filtered through our memories, our emotions, our past experiences, and our worries for the future. This is a vital process of the brain. It is a survival mechanism, and its effect can therefore be instantaneous. We learn how the world functions to know how to survive. And while this serves us greatly, we want to avoid pain, we want to survive, the brain may have picked up some patterns that implement themselves in a way that is not to our benefit. Let me give you some examples, although please keep in mind that these are oversimplified for our purposes. A caveman goes about his routine hunting to provide food for him and his child. While outside, he must keep aware of all the dangers. A sudden sound to his left triggers the amygdala with fear. He had seen what can happen to someone if not careful. When he was younger, a wild animal had overtaken one of his friends. The amygdala signals the hypothalamus, which through the autonomic nervous system triggers the fight-or-flight response and provides the body with the necessary energy to avoid the danger. Behind the bushes, from where the sound was heard, one of his friends comes to join him. There was no danger after all. Let us now see a more modern example. A young boy grows up in a family where the mother surely provides for his physical needs but is emotionally distant. He goes on in his daily life in need of affection until someday, coming back from school, he has an accident with his bicycle and sees his mother running to attend his wounds. A few weeks later, he cuts himself with a knife while trying to cook for the family, and again his mother tends his needs. The combination of the boy's human need for affection, the mother's emotional distance, and the experience of her attending the boy's wounds has registered in him that people will show affection only when he's injured. That is how the world worked for the boy now, and he grows up with an unconscious tendency to physically or emotionally put himself in difficult situations because only then will others care for him. Let's give another example. A little girl runs to her mother to proudly show her new joy. The mother is ecstatic. She hugs the girl and says how proud she is. A few hours later, the girl goes again with a new drawing. The mother, meanwhile having heard some bad news, turns to the girl and shouts that she is too much and that she should just go away. The girl did the exact same thing, but the responses she got from her mother were contradicting to each other. The world then is not safe for her to express herself. It is very unpredictable. Of course, the parents had their reasons for acting like they did, but the children's brain cannot comprehend them and reason them into order. And to go back to our original point, our brains have developed mechanisms for us to avoid pain and survive. And while the caveman had good reason to continue being so alert for any wild animals, quickly to fight them off, 
the boy's self-destructive tendencies to invite affection and the girl's untrusting nature to avoid unexpected harm may not serve them later on in life. All behaviors, though, were created by experience and assimilated by the same mechanism. And when, as children, in the absence of reasoning capacities, we registered faulty beliefs, they are implemented in our lives with the same overriding strength as the fear against wild animals, ready to attack us at any moment. And while the children's beliefs may have served them at the moment, the boy did find a way to get affection, and the girl a way to avoid rejection, living their whole lives untrusting and self-destructive will cause more harm than the one they were meant to protect them from. And the two were only mentioned as examples. There are many such beliefs, and their subsequent responses may keep us from many new experiences in our lives, leading us to see the world in the same patterns that reassure our faulty beliefs. With an instant process of an event happening, our beliefs coloring it and us reacting to it. With practice, we can develop our skill for awareness, for observation, and with kindliness and acceptance, we can be honest with ourselves to gradually discover the beliefs and behavior that dictate our experience and trigger us into reaction instead of conscious action. We can then understand ourselves and enrich the triggered behavior with our new perspective. Acting consciously, living consciously, means living in peace. We may not always be aware, we may fail again and again, but that is okay. We can be kind with ourselves and try again. This kind of meditational practice, to become aware of the present moment and what it entails within and without us, is the core of all meditations, and it is referred to as mindfulness practice. Being mindful of what we feel or think is in itself a precious process. With kindliness and acceptance, we first and foremost come to learn ourselves, how we function in the world, what beliefs are there that do not serve us anymore, how our experiences have shaped our perception, and how they don't need to restrict us any longer. It can allow us to see ourselves for what they truly are. Incarnated souls, unconsciously searching for a way for our personalities to remember and come into contact with our spiritual nature. Meditation can be a lot of things. It can be used to come in contact with higher realms, with refined energies. But first, we need to practice our capacity for observation and learn ourselves. This capacity and self-knowledge will help us be grounded in reality, especially as we move through more ethereal senses, where our perception can be more easily swayed into fantasy, colored by our own subconsciousness instead of insisting on truth. We train ourselves, beginning with the physical world, 
the one we are most accustomed to, our physical body and its sensations. We then proceed to include in our practice our feelings and thoughts until we develop our mind and brain enough to register sensations of progressively more refined nature. And we do that with kindliness and acceptance, as observance of what is. Like everything else, this is a skill as well. We can develop it with practice. The first tool that we can use is our breath. We begin our endeavor, our practices, with bringing awareness to the breath, the cause of many sensations in the physical body and the process that is always there. Whenever we notice our minds slipping into scenarios that draw us away from the present, or whenever our experience, our emotions, get too intense, we can always draw our attention back to the breath. Let the sensations of inhalation passing through the tip of the nose, down through the throat to expand the chest and the warmth of the subsequent exhalation bring you back to the present moment. Our breath is always an anchor to what is in the now. Let us gather and sum up what we expanded upon in this episode. Meditation is a process of the mind, where we consciously guide the mind in a particular way and a particular intention at an object. To consciously guide the mind is a skill developed gradually, beginning by observing our physical world in an accepting and kind way, with the intention to find what is there. We can then honestly become aware of our reality. When we have acquired enough practice observing the physical body and our feelings and thoughts, our brain will gradually become more sensitive to registering sensations from beyond the dense physical world. Our intention then can become to learn, to heal, to teach, but all of this must remain rooted in reality, having become conscious of the ways our subconscious may lead us astray and of feelings or thoughts that may color our perception during our practice, lest we get excited or triggered in any way and slip into imagination. So now, focus on the present moment, this precious moment. With this inhalation and every new breath, bring your consciousness to your experience in the now, to what you find within you and all around you. Enfold yourselves with kindliness and acceptance, reassuring that whatever you find is okay. Thank you very much for listening to the House of Lotus podcast. If you have enjoyed the episode, please consider supporting us by following, sharing, or becoming a patron to enjoy special rewards and extra content. You can find more about us on our website, thehouseoflotus.eu. 
Thank you and enjoy your present.